everyone. I'm Rachel Poli with Ari Meglin, and we're your hosts for the Merry Writer Podcast. We're on episode 68, and this week's question is, what are the different types of editing? Before we begin, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss a show. And if you enjoy this episode, please give it a like. So there are quite a few different stages. I'll say stages. There are quite a few different stages of editing when you finally complete that first draft that you've been working on for 25 years. There's developmental editing, structural editing, copy editing or line editing, and proofreading or sensitivity edit. I'm going to talk about the first one, which is developmental editing. This is also called content editing, and it involves like absolute, like detailed feedback from an editor, or you can have beta readers try it if they so choose. Um, but it's basically looking at the big picture of your whole novel. And what the developmental edit entails, it's like fixing any major like plot holes or character inconsistencies and like talks about the overall questions of your novel. Like why are your characters doing what they do? What are their motivations? How is the plot advancing? And things like that. It's just taking your entire novel and just like giving it a grueling look-see and just nitpicking absolutely everything. Make sure that your characters are consistent, especially with development. Make sure your plot is consistent. Don't have any plot holes or unanswered questions, unless of course you choose to leave your book off at a cliffhanger. But you know, you gotta make sure that all the main questions for that book are answered by the end. And make sure the setting is consistent, like your pacing, time, pretty much everything. And this is typically done for the first round of edits. Obviously you can do your edits in whatever order you want. I personally would prefer to do developmental first because I feel like developmental editing is also the hardest and it takes the longest. So I like to just get it done and out of the way. And it, I think it, I think it makes the rest of the editing easier. And the other type of editing is structural editing. And this can also be done during the developmental editing stage. Your book is like a building block. If you write in scenes or if you write in chapters or if you just write the whole thing and you know, whatever, it's all, you can easily break it up into sections and you want to make sure that everything is in chronological order. And obviously your story can have like twists, like plot twists, you can have flashbacks or flash forwards. And the whole point of a structural edit is to make sure that all of those are consistent and in order or like the best order possible for the book so that your readers can actually understand it. And also you wanna make sure that nothing repeats itself. I've actually done that one time. I had a flashback and a few chapters later, I wrote like the exact same flashback, not word for word, that, that scene actually ended up being better than the previous scene. But apparently I had this idea at two different stages of the book and I had no idea that I had this, I, this thought already. So that's what a structural edit is. Make sure you don't repeat yourself like I do. I have to admit, I, I hate developmental and structural edits. They are the hardest and I totally agree they should be at the, at the beginning because the worst thing to do is to do like a copy edit and fix all these little tiny piddly bits only to come back and go, oh, there's a huge arc problem or there's a giant plot hole and four pages have got to go 
after I've spent all this time messing. But, oh, I hate them. There's usually because there's a plot hole. I always find plot holes. Or I fix one plot hole and it creates another one further down the line. It's like untangling threads when you're doing a, 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 a developmental or a structural edit. Just, you know, you think it's all fine, but it's just Christmas lights in a big knot and you didn't realize. Yeah, and it's super annoying. I mean, for me, like whenever I do developmental edits or structural edits, I like to put the chapters or scenes on sticky notes and I just rearrange them. And I find that to be a lot easier, but it's still super time consuming and there's you're always going to miss something. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you're going to miss something and then you'll move on to the next stage of editing and then see it. <laughs> and then you're going to get mad. <laughs> I think especially if you have like multiple characters or like multiple per, uh, points of view characters like uh, most of my stories have several main characters and it bounces between their points of view and I'm forever like halfway along it's like oh character B I haven't seen them for like 10 chapters <laughs> yep yeah you forget about people where did, where did they go <laughs> yeah. so yeah it's it, it I think the developmental and the structural edit are the ones that make you hate editing and writing in general I think that either whether it's you, you doing it yourself or you get a professional editor who just finds these holes and you have to rewrite the goddamn story again yeah <laughs> uh, okay we're gonna move on because I just don't even like thinking about that so let's go to copy editing which is a little bit nicer um, so obviously copy editing is where you kind of deep dive into the real nitty gritty of editing, um, which is where you're catching your spelling mistakes, grammar mistakes, punctuation errors, issues with terminology, ambiguous words, usually where you try and catch your show and uh, your telling not showing, sorry, also where you'll probably try and catch your telling not showing, you know, that's where you snag that. Uh, check for inconsistencies, especially regarding style of writing and voice. Copy editing is also a good time to do fact checking. So for example, if you are writing a scene where you've got a blacksmith, you want to make sure the terms and the tools you're talking about and that are being used are actually correct for that occupation. Same if it's, you know, sword fighting or, you know, riding a horse. It's trying to make sure that you're you're accurate with your information because you know you're gonna get some reader who's gonna put it in a review that you use the wrong tool to, you know, hammer the sword when it came out of the forge. I don't know. I haven't got a blacksmith in my story, so I don't know if any. But yeah, so that that's your copy editing. That's what most whenever people say editing, most people automatically think copy editing, catching your spelling errors you know, going through. It's also called a line edit because that's what you're meant to do. You're meant to go line by line very carefully. You know, you're not reading it as a big chunk. You're taking your time. So it's it's probably the most painstaking one for, for time because you are slowly going through, checking each line, each sentence, each paragraph and making sure it's, uh, you know, perfect or as perfect as you can before someone else edits and sees all the mistakes you made because you ended up with like editor blindness when you say about the line editing and you go line by line, which is super annoying. But what helps me actually is that when I first joined my writer's group a few years ago, the host, our our first meeting, I believe, the host said, when you're line editing and you look at each sentence, if it doesn't do one of the three following, you probably don't need it in your story. 
and I hope I hope I repeat this correctly, but he said if it doesn't develop a character, advance the plot, or set the scene, then you most likely don't need it. And I've always had that in the back of my head so that whenever I am rambling with my writing, and I know you're not technically supposed to edit while you write, but if I start rambling just to boost my word count and I write some like stupid stuff, then I can just easily be like, all right, I know that that's definitely not needed and I can just easily take it out. And that's always helped me. I like that. It's it's a good sort of like set of questions. You can probably like pin that or not pin. You can probably stick a post-it note on your laptop with that sort of, so it's always in your mind, like how, how you know, how are these lines? Because I'll be honest, we all have those moments where we've like witted on or we know massive amount of exposition that we don't need. And yeah, actually, that's that's a really that's a really good point. And I'm just going to throw in another point: when you when you when you're editing and you're doing things for the for the copy edit, change the text size and the font before you edit, because you've you've read this story so many times from writing, rewriting, rewriting, structural edit, developmental edit. By the time you come to the copy edit you will get this thing where you go over and over it. And by changing the font, even just by two, two sizes up and changing the, sorry, by changing the size, just like two sizes up and changing the font to something just a little bit different, it totally makes you see things differently. You will catch those errors. And then again, if you're doing a second uh, a second copy edit, you know, if you want to be like, really like that, change it again. Change it to something maybe three times bigger or one times bigger and a different font again, because those changes will stop you from sliding over the mistakes that you keep sliding over. So, yeah, there's my extra point. You know what I do because I'm obnoxious? I really prefer to, I don't like doing edits on the computer. I really prefer to print out my entire manuscript and just like, you know, do the physical copy. Uh, but oftentimes when I edit after after a couple of chapters, I realized that I'm barely making any changes and I'm just reading it because my brain just can't comprehend it anymore. And that's when you know you need a break. But what I've started doing is that when I print it out, I have each chapter in either a different font, a different size or a different color. So that way every chapter is like something fresh. And I've actually noticed that I can have longer editing sessions rather than just an hour and then calling it quits and then not picking it up for another six months. Wow, that is brilliant. The idea of breaking it up per chapter. I am loving that. Yeah. That is a really cool idea. I'm going to steal that idea. Go for it. I hope it works for you. <laughs> so with that said, I'm going to like, you know, keep going. Now let's talk about proofreading. And I gotta be totally honest, I never really understood the true difference between copy editing and proofreading because to me, they're very similar. Like proofreading goes over all like the spelling and grammar mistakes and inconsistencies with like the layout and the typography and, you know, and make sure that like the formatting is okay and things like that. And copy editing is very similar. And I think the major difference is that proofreading is always it's always the last stage of editing first of all like your your book should be as polished as possible and then when you proofread you're more or less just looking for typos but yeah proofreading is pretty straightforward you're just making sure you didn't make any typos everything is spelled correctly and consistently spelled correctly 
if you're writing fantasy or something else where you have a made up language or magical spells or anything like that, make sure that you spell everything the same, like the that one, my sister did that one time. She was writing her book and she realized that she had a character name that she spelled three different times throughout the story. <laughs> and I was like, well, just pick whichever one you like best and use that one. But yeah, that, that's proofreading. It's, it's simple, it's straightforward, and it's the easiest, but also one of the most important stages at the same time to me. Yeah, definitely. I also think proofreading is very, you're more likely to get readers to read, to do proofreading rather than like editors. Mm -hmm. It's still, it's still, you still can get proofreaders and often editors, but a proofreader is often where it's a reader reading through and feeling like how the story feels and, you know, that it's not like clunky anywhere in a, not in a developmental structural way, but just in a kind of flow. So, but yeah, yeah I, I have seen people who said they've done like their proofreading after their structural edit and it's like no <laughs> get that copy slash line yeah. edit <laughs> it's like, oh. don't waste time with poor poor proofreader going through and finding like way too many things that there's not the, not for them to do definitely not <laughs> oh yeah and the other thing is too like with proofreading obviously you can do it yourself you should do it yourself um but you can also get beta readers and ask them, be like, if you notice any typos, please let me know. And most of the time, you probably don't even need to ask them to tell you that there's a typo. They'll, if they're a good beta reader, then they will most likely tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah. People love pointing out errors. So oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I think the, the, those uh, edits that we've discussed, were, they should all be done by you, the author. At, at some point however obviously we we do recommend you get professional editors in as well but you know obviously we you know as authors we can do our development and structural edits we can do copy and line edits we can do proofreading so we're going to jump to the another form of editing which isn't really something that we do ourselves and that is sensitivity editing so a sensitivity edit or a sensitivity read is designed to help authors write accurately on matters that they may not have first-hand experience with, such as race, religion, gender identity, disabilities, disorders, etc. It kind of covers a large umbrella of things. And what you might need is several sensitivity editors to go over it. So like say you have a character who has a disability or a disorder and that you don't have that, you might want to get a sensitivity reader or a couple of sensitivity readers who have knowledge of those, who have first-hand experience of those, to go through it, you may have characters who are a different race or a different culture. Again, you may want to get some sensitivity readers to cover that too. It's just so that you're not getting things wrong or going by stereotypes or cliches. And it does happen. And people don't mean to do it on purpose. Sometimes it's just what happens. You know, people kind of see or hear things and they kind of assume. And we don't want that. So a sensitivity editor is a good thing to look into, especially if any of your main characters, especially, are um, a different religion to you, a different race to you, have different abilities or you know identities to you. It can make a big difference for inclusivity with your readers. So definitely look into that. Just a thought. 
Yeah, and you know, a sensitivity read is a great learning experience too, because whether you find a sensitivity reader through social media or you know, a fellow writer from your writing group, or if you know someone in real life that has a, you know, that's a different race or has a certain disability, you can reach out to them and, you know, go out for a cup of coffee or something and kind of sort of interview them, I guess, if you will. And it just, you'll, you'll get to understand them on a better level, but it'll also just be a huge learning experience for you. And it'll open so many other doors. Like it's not just catered to the writing. I think we see so much stuff on popular media like TVs and series that we assume a lot of things. It's like, you know, they'll show some veteran with PTSD and it's like, is that actually how, uh, you know, people with PTSD would react? Or is this just some sort of like fictional version to fit with the story? And I think too often we sort of watch things and read things and go, oh, that, that must be how it is. And it's like, no. And obviously we do acknowledge that everyone is different. So if somebody has a disorder, there could be, you know, 50 other people with the same disorder and there will be differences in how they react, obviously, which is why we're, you know, it, that's why sometimes it might be an idea to get more than one sensitivity editor to have a look and, and to, to go through it. But it's just trying to catch some of the bigger issues because you don't want to offend someone. You don't want to misrepresent or misguide put misguided information that then continues to make things worse for any any people you know there's already enough misinformation about different people and sorry there's already enough misinformation about things like religion and gender identity and disabilities we don't want to add to it by putting incorrect information in our stories that then people assume it's correct and then you know it moves down the line so yeah we don't want that exactly i mean even if you're writing a fictional story writing and you know people also read books to learn even if it is fictional like they're gonna gain something out of that and you don't want it to be misinformation like Ari just said so with that said I think we've gone over all of the major stages of editing you you know first do a develop developmental edit and a structural edit then move on to copy editing or line editing and then finally get your sensitivity edits out of the way and your proofreading done. Uh, no matter what stage of editing you're on, you can get a professional editor. editor. This is so important, especially if you're a self-published author, you know, have a professional editor, look it over, even if you only have them do a developmental edit or a copy edit, and then you have you do the rest yourself or you have a beta reader, but you you should have a professional editor look at your manuscript at least once and it'll open up so many other doors you'll you'll get new ideas and you'll you'll learn a lot too so we hope you guys enjoyed this episode do let us know your thoughts on the different types of editing in the comments or on twitter using the hashtag the merry writer podcast and if you want to get some extra content you can head on over to our patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the merry writer podcast here you can support our show for as little as $1 a month and get extra bonus content, including mini episodes. So tune in next week for another episode of the Merry Writer podcast, where we ask all the right questions. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Writer's Block. We hate our brains. The music titled Inspired is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.